In March this year, the DPP published three reports in a series entitled Making Integration Work. In those reports, we explored how modern, flexible media businesses need infrastructure and supply chains that can be repurposed, reconfigured and recomposed quickly and effectively. The reports delve into how modern software and data integration techniques make this possible. But perhaps the best way to bring these concepts to life is to look closely at a company who's doing it for real. One such company is Vice Media Group, which has been a real innovator in delivering effective integration of its business operations and data. So in today's DPP podcast, enabled by member company MuleSoft, I'll be speaking with the team at Vice to retrace the steps along their business and transformation journey and to ask, what can we learn from production transformation at Vice? Hello, I'm Rowan de Pomeray. I'm the CTO here at the DPP. And today I'm delighted to be joined by three expert guests. I have Daniel Elias, who is the Global Director of Production and Media Workflows at Vice. Michelle Gautier, who is Global Director of Production Transformation at Vice. And Oliver Wynn, Distinguished Solutions Engineer at MuleSoft. Thank you all very much for joining me. Now, Michelle, you've been on quite the uh, the transformation journey at Vice, and it seems to have incorporated workflows, data, systems integration, all sorts of different elements. So I'm I'm intrigued by what was your starting point? What did you set out to achieve? So at Vice, we we do have an incredible amount of talent across. Um, a variety of different areas, you know, from news to editorial, commercial, experiential. Um, our production workflows and teams really vary quite extensively. Um, so prior to the pandemic, so essentially what kicked off uh, the production transformation team was prior to the pandemic, we conducted an analysis of our production workflows. So, you know, this is a very wide scope um, and review. So essentially, you know, we are looking at our finance operations, our talent management, our production, post-production workflows, really anything and everything, including, you know, general workflows. So how how individual teams are looking at different productions um, down to our system. So really, really large scale review. Um, and from this, the review essentially allowed us to extract key data from our business that highlighted, you know, successes, obstacles, uh, potential opportunities. And, you know, from there, what was, I guess, overly evident um, was that we really needed to find a way to foster collaboration within our global teams um, and the systems that could support this. So with that, uh, production transformation team was formed to execute, um, you know, a global collaboration, essentially a global collaboration project across the business. Okay, so you were really looking at that kind of um, teamwork and collaboration transformation and then the, the systems element flowed from there. That's uh, really, really good to understand. So talk to us a little bit about some of the key systems and teams and processes that, that were involved in, in what you've been uh, what you've been transforming. Yes, so I think Daniel and I can do a collaboration response for this. <laughs> it's quite a loaded one. Um, again, we are looking at everything um, from, as it stands from the 
the global production review, which was the, the audit that happened in 2019. And it was an internal audit of different collaborators across the business, specifically from the production side, reviewing um, their workflows. And so, you know, some of the key things that, that we were assessing for one is um, from a finance operation standpoint. So how are, how are our teams cost tracking? How are they budgeting? What does this look like? Are they use, utilizing different systems? Um, and then also doing, you know, a review of our budget item codes. So how does this relate back to cost tracking, um, things like that. In terms of talent management, this was a really interesting piece and we can talk about this a bit later as well, but, you know, how are we hiring talent? How are we finding talent? Um, what does that look like across, you know, different production teams? So it, it really, really did vary. Um, Daniel, I think you could, definitely weigh in on the systems that we were assessing. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the interesting point here is that we looked at the end-to-end -end production workflow, right? From ideation all the way to distribution, licensing, everything in between, right? And then we looked at the, all of, you know, from the lens, always from the lens of the production process or the creative process, you know, how is it that you go about doing all of those steps, you know, which teams do you collaborate with? how they're working those teams you know which systems are they using what kind of information they need you know we really wanted to push all of the workflows as, as upstream as we want as we could potentially you know um really wanted to push the limit there so effectively when you mentioned you know which departments did we talk to well pretty much everyone right you know from hr to finance to legal uh, of course key partners at the beginning uh, to production, post-production, publishing, network operations, media technology, IT teams, you name it. Literally, of course, as the production gets, you know, made, it, it's touching many people in many departments, and we wanted to make sure that we were getting um, the widest perspective uh, possible uh, when trying to solve the issues and the challenges that go about uh, getting to the end line there. Yeah. So it sounds like it, it very much wasn't just focused on the actual creation of, of a video asset and, and, and distribution of that, but really the, the entirety of the processes that go around it. Yes, uh, there was a, a big component on distribution, of course, and obviously in terms of systems, you, you, you may have anything from like planning system at the beginning, uh, sort of a finance sales systems may play parts in them, uh, HR systems as well uh, from an employee perspective all the way to um, I don't know, your media, so management systems for storing video library records, uh, rights uh, management systems for recording your rights, sales management systems for selling your content as well. Uh, many systems along the way. Yeah, it's really refreshing, I think, to to see such a, a holistic approach. I mean, I I I don't see that as often as I might like to in in media businesses. I think they, there can often be quite a bit of fragmentation between video production and the, and the back end systems. Ollie, I'm intrigued by your perspective as somebody who works across different uh, different verticals, different industries. How common and how important is it to take that sort of end to end approach across the different aspects of a business? It's an interesting exercise to go through in an organisation, and it depends with what the initiative is or what the lens is at your your or your standpoint from where you're looking at it from are you doing it to improve productivity are you are you doing it to reduce costs maybe deprecate systems maybe open up new channels to partners 
So there's a whole bunch of different ways you can look at it and stand at it and say, I want to do this thing to this process. But what I find more, uh, more and more with lots of different customers from all, all different industries, right? I mean, I work across CPG and healthcare life sciences, telco media, even in public sector. When you, when you put that wire of a business process and you're kind of mapping out, this is how we get this thing to do this thing to then make some money or sell something or, or get a better experience for a customer. Along that wire, there are jump off points that you need to do into systems or teams or data. And it, the faster you can understand those different steps and almost treat it a little bit like putting Lego onto the new chain of events, the more efficient you'll be at being able to transform. Mm. And there's lots of organizations who maybe kind of almost super glued themselves into a state where they can't change the business process because actually these systems are hardwired into the into the walls and into the plumbing and into everything that we're, we're doing in an organization. And so it's fa- I always find it fascinating when people are saying, even today I've had a conversation with a, with a prospect saying, we just want to onboard customers quicker. And you think that's a simple thing to do, but actually you mm. map out that process, suddenly they opened up 10 systems that they need to talk to as part of that journey. So I yeah. always find it fascinating. And it's, it sounds like you, you guys are doing a really good root and branch exercise of really looking at everything holistically but I'm curious for, for you both, what is it that was kind of driving the need to find these processes and try and modernize them or transform them? Was it the cost pressure or are you trying to reduce IT spend or are you trying to, what is it you're trying to achieve by, by doing this transformation? That's the thing that always interests me with it, with these exercises. To Michelle's point, you know, we, we were kind of a very varied uh, group uh, as a media group. And uh, I would say that, you know, Vice Media Group has, has been an incredible kind of growth journey, super fast journey uh, in different uh, regions, um, which kind of has resulted in, into a multitude of systems and ways of approaching um, certain things. And sort of as the company has um, developed, we really wanted to tap into all of that knowledge to tap into all of these um, existing talent and but the way the company had evolved was messy in that way to to mm. sort of be able to do that right we um, there were different systems there were different uh, processes um, and really if we wanted to scale as a company and um, and really you know enable all of the opportunities that were there by collaborating uh, between us uh, we needed to all speak the same language, right? So, and that's not just, you know, consolidating certain systems and agreeing on certain systems, but actually taking two steps back and actually talking about what do we call this? You know, what is it that we're doing? Why do we call it this? And how does it happen? And then and then we talk about systems, you know, uh, as a sort of like second step. That's, I mean, really, really interesting. So sort of driving business efficiency, but also just like operational simplicity by the sounds of it uh, as a key a key driver there. But if it's so wide ranging, that must have required a lot of buy-in across the business, Michelle. I mean, uh, you know, to, to what extent did you have to you know, really work hard to get people on board with, with what you were doing? Um, was, was the business kind of up for this or was, was it an uphill battle? Yes. So, I mean, we're very lucky that we have 
complete backing and support from the executive leadership team. So of course, you know, that does make our lives a bit easier when we are pushing through potentially new workflows or, you know, revising new workflows, um, whether it's a large scale or small scale type of project. Mm -hmm. um, with change comes hesitation, naturally. I think the, the difference between and I, I've sort of mentioned this earlier, but the difference between our change management approach and maybe a traditional change management is that, again, Daniel and myself did come from, you know, specific backgrounds. We both worked within the production space. So we, we look at the business as our partners. We collaborate with them. We've also been very tactical in any of the rollouts that we've um, implemented, where if it's a large scale rollout, it will take time. Um, In-depth trainings, we you know move slowly and maybe that's not the best solution for everything, but we have to win the hearts and we have to have the teams believe in the systems and we have absolutely dealt with pushback from certain teams and other teams, not as much, it just depends. Um, but you know, if we can, if we believe in the product and we believe that it's going to, you know, either promote growth or make the team's lives easier, then we will continue to push it. So I think it's, it's just keeping the channels of communication open. Um, and, and the thing is that we truly evolve our process as we move through it. So right. it's not as if, you know, we look back at the, the review that was conducted in 2019 and, and sure, we are following that, of course, but there are many things that have changed just because the business is consistently evolving as is anything. So we really, we really care about the team's feedback and, you know, we take that to heart and depending on, again, what, what the scale of the project is and if we can implement that, that's so important for us. So, mm -hmm. we, um, so I think I'd say the, the biggest, our, our biggest, biggest success in um, implementation is just, you know, keeping an open mind and, and listening to what the teams need. And of course, like pushing back where necessary, but um, it's, that's what's worked for us. Okay, so I've I've hinted at the, the sort of the scale of the transformation you've been on, um, but but put a bit of color on this for us. Help us understand, you know, what are some of the changes that have actually been implemented since that twenty nineteen review? Daniel, maybe maybe you could talk to us a little bit about some of the some of the workflows that you've changed, or or, or some of the areas where you have implemented new systems, just to give people a, an understanding of of what that change journey has looked like for for the users. Um, I mean, it's pretty drastic. I think over the last couple of years, we have uh, progressed um, a lot. Um, I'm very impressed by the work Michelle has done. Um, she's amazing. Um, but um, yeah, anything to be specific, anything from, you know, reviewing all of the um, language and finance, right? Having an ontology of how, what we call for cost tracking, budgeting, item codes, reviewing how everyone was budgeting and agreeing on like rate cards and um, to actually going on to HR aspects of it and reviewing how do we categorize all of our people and our resources and our technical equipment um, to again, speak the same language. And then once we're in that space where everyone's sort of coming, calling things the same, then we're looking into We've implemented a, a, a planning tool, um, WolfTech, uh, which is a production management system. Uh, you know, in the past, you would have had like 
a multitude and pretty much every uh, project management tool use advice. Uh, that's very uh, typical in, in large organizations where different uh, departments, small pockets will use different systems. Um, we wanted to centralize the planning because it allows us to build workflows on top of it. You know, if, right. again, if everyone's sort of using the same tool, then we can automate certain things. We know that our production metadata is coming from the same way. And then now we can enable things with that production metadata. So that was a, a big one. Obviously, single production tool means global collaboration. So from the people side, there's that collaboration aspect of it. Uh, from a media side of things, there's a you know integrations with media asset management systems. So you know that production metadata is integrated into all of our flows. So it's integrated with our video library uh, system. So the programs IDs, show IDs, seasons, all of those things sort of come together with the planning, um, and is also integrated with our media asset management systems. So you know as we create projects, they get greenlit, they create collections. Our media is tagged with production metadata automatically. As the media comes back from location, all of that media is automatically tagged, searchable, um, and is viewable through our uh, video library systems as well. Mm. Um, and then, you know, if you take it one step further, you know, because we sort of integrated with a video library, you know, as we take our productions over to sort of distribution and publishing, those are connected with our rights management systems, with our distribution tools, with our finance tools. You know, everyone's sort of aware of the status of that production because the whole sort of ecosystem is, is being looked into uh, cohesively. Yeah. It all sounds so logical and so simple, but yeah, I know just how much of a, a challenge it is to get that level of integration across a, a media organization. So I'm interested by how how you sort of got to the state that you're in now then. Um, you know, did, did you do the review? Did you draw out a big architecture and then you've sort of been building that architecture ever since? Or is this sort of evolved over the course of the last three years or so with, with those different systems coming online? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, forever evolving. I mean, if it wasn't evolving, we would not be reactive to the business needs. But um, um I think overall the you know the product concept is remains the same you know that we want to enable the data flow to be seamless that we want whoever's got the first piece of information to provide it to whoever needs it um but yeah on the sort of like specifics of it of course there's been many opportunities i think you know michelle you can speak to this but i think it's been such a rich experience like getting the feedback from the teams and then collaborating on more specific solutions um you know the the use cases once you sort of um start populating some um workflows then the people take it and do their their own use cases right and there's many opportunities you would, you would have not seen that sort of like start coming up as well exactly i think too with um, you know, the framework of a global production team has really helped set the tone. Some of the, you know, smaller offices really feel the support of, of being this large global production team, um, which is, which is quite interesting. So it's, it's definitely been, um, two years of, of establishing the framework. And I think, mm -hmm that has allowed us to, you know, more seamlessly um, start rolling out like new projects and um, just, yeah, establishing the framework of the global team was, was key to kicking this off. I'm really interested by, by what you said, Daniel, about um, 
you know, teams picking up with uh, the stuff that you've given them and, and, and coming up with new workflows, new new ways of doing things. And Ollie, this is something that, that you and I spoke about quite a lot during making integration work, right, is empowering business users to 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 pick up on the technology fundamentals that have been put in place and, and and build their own solutions, come up with their own workflows. How important do you think that is to, to really uh, getting the benefit out of your investments in technology? I, I think it's tremendously important. Um, I'm seeing a huge trend in large organizations to kind of build something that allows any code or any platform, any system that arrives in an organization to be presented on a marketplace internally. So you kind of almost have access to the app store of all the crown jewels of all the different things that you've got in your enterprise. And I'm seeing a huge trend for this because it allows innovation to happen. So if I'm a project team and I want to go and get access to customer data or a media asset or information or functionality from maybe an AI or ML tool that I've introduced into the organization. Where do I go to get that without having to disturb or ask or, you know, kind of uh, water cooler style talks in the canteen? Um, mm. Where do we go to get that? And, and I'm seeing a big trend and kind of a lot of top-down sponsorship in organizations to say, build these marketplaces out and start having an area that's a kind of digital area for people to start collaborating. I want to find something where do i go to find it if i if someone's been publishing new um assets or interfaces or um, data where do i go to find it is there a feed you know a, a social feed internally where i can see that this team that handles customers has suddenly created a a new customer onboarding api because i'm working in a, a marketing project that actually we want to capture customer details and make them a customer and I don't want to have to worry that team over in the corner that handles customers all the time because they're busy doing other things. Can I just reuse some of their assets? Mm. And the medium to do it is, is, having a, is, is having a kind of marketplace, a central, central area where people, a community effectively, where people can collaborate in a digital way, in a self-service way. Um, I'm seeing organizations that pick that up really drive their innovation on the edge of the, from their core assets. It's quite an interesting exercise mm. to go through. Well, I think that level of collaboration is quite new to a lot of companies in the media sector, right? The you know, hearing Michelle and Daniel talk about um, you know connecting together finance and HR with the teams who are producing content that's that's something we we still don't hear a lot about. Um, Daniel, you're you're kind of nodding at me there. Is you know was that was that sort of a very new feeling to to be able to do that? It was, yeah. I mean, I think it was a great experience actually, because we learn hips from from HR and legal and finance, and and they learn, you know, what we do. So mm. I think it was you know very much kind of coming both ways. Um, coming back to kind of Oliver's point, you know, this is this has a bit of a snowball effect. You start it off, and then you don't know where it's going to end. Um, and um, I mean, right now we, we have a data council that was created, you know, to foster these kind of conversations, right? So there's key stakeholders from pretty much every department. They'll be talking about the things that they're doing um, and how they want to innovate. And but also trying to kind of, as I say, you know, any sort of like implications in changes along the pipeline, right? So um, so not just kind of obviously trying to foster that, that kind of innovation, but also having 
bit of an oversight between us all to make sure that you know um the whole pipeline is still kind of being seen right that it's not just done in isolation yeah that data council really interests me tell me a little bit more about about how that sort of came together and how you actually operate it um there's just regular meetings and you know there's several projects there may be some you know let's look at you know some data points, how we call them, why we call them that. Um, they may be looking into different aspects of the organization, or they may want to be changing certain aspects of our organization and they want to understand the implications on like all of the systems that we use, right? So there's always an opportunity to someone who's sort of more of a product owner to come up and say, oh, that's that's great. Actually, that's going to unleash this opportunity for me to pick up this data and do more with it. Or, you know, if you do this change, you know, you know, give me some time because I'm going to have to do some configuration changes to make sure that um, I can receive that data successfully with nothing is being lost. Effectively. Right, right. And and who are the who are the individuals who who make those decisions in terms of the, you know what are the types of roles across the business that are that are looking after that stuff? So you'll have uh, people from IT leadership, um, sales leaderships, um, video library kind of metadata media technology um, folks, um, HR, finance, legal, um, really covering everything, you know, production ourselves uh, are in there as well. Um, so it's, it's quite broad. Okay. Okay. And, and um, does, it, does it ever become challenging, kind of trying to, trying to maintain that unified view of the key data for the organization i guess there must be occasions where people are a bit territorial about about things or want things done a particular way michelle you can maybe you can speak to that but i mean i think certainly you know it's a it's a learning curve for everyone is is not i think the challenge is kind of understanding where everyone's coming from and why it's important um for for each and one of us right uh, the data how do we want to use it what are the implications i think it if anything, it's just, it's opened our eyes to different parts of the business and, and what's important to various teams, um, not from a challenging perspective, but actually just from a learning perspective. They're, you know, even from our end, coming straight from the data council, there have been projects that we've kicked off based on conversations that, or presentations that we've listened into from the, the council. Um, and, you know, it just kind of taps into something for us. And then we've, we've kind of ran with that from the production side. So it's, it's a really interesting space to be in. And, we, and I mean, ultimately, I feel that, you know, of course, with the pandemic, it just it really forced us to collaborate and work together. And so we're still we're still following. Um, we're still following that. So we've talked quite a lot about how you've collaborated internally, um, but there's also, as we've mentioned, been some big system rollouts in this. You know, your users of, you know, everything from uh, the WolfTech system we mentioned. I know you, you know, you are users of, of MuleSoft as well. I'm sure there were many other um, products in the mix. So how were the relationships with vendors in in all of this? And do you ever kind of come into difficulties whereby, you know, what you want to do with your internal data model doesn't map well against what, what's in the products that you're using? We've been super lucky with, with our vendors. Um, I think, you know, for us, uh, before we start any partnership, we really want to uh, make sure that 
that relationship is there, that is for the long road, that there's going to be that interaction and that, you know, we can work together um, on the product. Uh, that's super important for us. I think it's important for us, but it's also important to every customer right now. Um, mm -hmm. I cannot stress enough how, you know, the flexibility is not, you know, it's not a, it's not, I mean, obviously we have a pretty complex setup wise, with different uh, ways of doing things internally. Um, but, um, you know, any organization is today, everyone's sort of like reacting and moving very quickly, right? So that flexibility internally, it, it's, it's a must. So when we approach vendors, you know, that translates into, you know, how we build all of the functionality, how we sort of uh, work together on new functionality and roadmap, it's designed to be flexible. <laughs> so it can be changed, you know, it's a building elements that we can play with, but everything should be customizable, everything should be flexible, everything that should be, you know, a clear API that you can pull into easy access for everyone. So there's a certain framework, I think, that we have now with pretty much all of our vendors that um, that works really well for us. Trying to get your arms around data in any organization is pretty, very hard. Um, I've seen banks try to build canonical models for payment and then they end up with multiple different definitions of the same thing. I had a retailer who defined a product in 24 different ways. It's very difficult sometimes to just get your arms around the data. We might all speak English in the organization, but actually we speak 30 different data languages. So um, trying to get to a, a standard where everyone talks the same language is a really hard thing to do, actually. And especially when you then think about the systems levels and the and you know, does a does a CRM talk the same as a database that you've implemented versus an ERP and all the other things that you've got living inside your organization? Probably not. So how do you how do you then define what you want to say about this particular item or this data mm. and then make sure that that's rippled out across the organization? And I think it's a bit of bit of technical know-how using the right kind of approaches to connect systems in the right way and make them talk the right languages but it's also a cultural thing and kind of you have to lead with lead with the light really and show people that actually if we all start pulling the same direction and changing the way we approach trying to understand what the data is we'll get a better result so if we all kind of agree and i've seen i've seen somebody in a bank take two years to try and get an agreement on a payment on a payment structure <laughs> um, if you can get people to agree and you can get them to understand the reasons why then i think you can get more control over your data right yeah. it's a hard thing to do i mean there's very few organizations have really really done it very very well you can get by and as long as you can translate between the things then you're okay but it's a hard thing to do definitely and if you guys got it, hats off to you. We're in the process of it. I think we've we've come a long way. Um, certainly, we've come mm -hmm. a long way. Um, yeah, it's it's not an easy thing to do by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think, but uh, yeah, it's definitely worth it. Uh, I would say. Um, and I guess you know, to your point, there's different approaches to different systems and how you may map it. But again, you know, working with vendors to be able to have flexibility on on the actual product to be able to not just do a map of something that is called something different to something that is called slightly similar, but actually be able to change those things so they actually call the same. Uh, it's, yeah, it's useful. So 
you've been on this journey for a couple of years now. I'm I'm interested to to sort of get your reflections on on where you've got to and and how much success has been achieved and and perhaps how much is is still left to do. So uh, I mean, Michelle, first of all, perhaps um, you know compared to what you thought you would would do when you set out on this journey, how how do you think it's going? I do think it's going very well. I think, you know, the challenge of the pandemic definitely slowed down some of, I I would say, probably, again, like winning the hearts of, of certain teams because it, mm. it did all have to happen uh, remotely. And I think we navigated that quite well. But, you know, that, that was something that it just, it, it happened and, you know, we as a business had to deal with it as did everyone. Um, so with that, I, I think over, you know, we're at almost two and a half years of, of forming the production transformation team. And I think, especially in the last six months, we've, we've really, really made a lot of headway with, especially with our larger scale uh, projects. Um, and, you know, I think, and I did just want to highlight the, the piece of, of, of vendor relationships and, you know, pairing with vendors that have mm. flexibility because that's so important to us. And that has allowed us to continuously evolve. So, you know, we, we do have, you know, many different production teams that we want to keep those nuances alive. We don't want to, it's not a one size fits all solution. And I think that we in the past six months, especially have been very good at addressing that. And especially in partnership with our vendors, such as WolfTech from the production management side. Mm-hmm. So that has helped, um, I think, you know, kind of inspire, that might be the wrong word, but the teams to, to continue on down this this path with us. Um, so I think we've, we, yes, we've made a lot of progress. I still think there's a long way to go, but that's exciting because, you know, we are just evolving with the business. Um, as things come up, we're reacting to them. We're not, we're not set in our ways in, in any way, shape or form. Yeah. So, um, yeah, coming back to the the architecture, you know, we have all these structure. Obviously, these are large scale projects that you, you could get lost in them, you know, and you need to have a sort of very, very kind of like business focus to drive it. And so our approach really, you know, as we've learned throughout the, the last couple of years, is to really break it into uh, smaller deliveries, uh, that, you know, maximum like a quarter uh, in length um, and and then have like successive reports on whatever is being achieved every quarter so that you know both key stakeholders execs um, can have a view and can you know understand where we're taking the organization they can have a say whether the impact is what they were expecting sometimes obviously succeeding that's great um, but you know if there's a change of direction that is required as well or, or they see something that has been achieved that enables another growth area, then it may be that we're directed in a slightly different direction for, for the next quarter. So being very reactive and, and, and sort of um, having that report structure is important as well. And only I think this was something that came out as a huge theme, actually, in, in the Making Integration Work series was this level of business flexibility being something that, that is really important to try and achieve. But it's it's really different, right, from, from the days when we built TV studios by uh, putting hardware boxes and racks and connecting coaxial cables between them this 
this flexibility that a software world gives us is is both very exciting but also quite quite daunting and quite challenging isn't it yeah i mean there's a there's a there's a big move for people to try and be more composable as an organization so if you think back to what we started talking about around how you try you look at a business process and you think about all the different jump off points in that process if that process needs to change how do i plug something else into that and it's that ability to be composable, be kind of a Lego brick style along that journey that's that's actually very hard to unlock in an organisation. And it, it can be scary as well, right? Because suddenly you're exposing data, you're, you're externalising data from systems that maybe aren't used to having that data externalised, functionality as well. And so there's a security element of this that you need to be conscious of because it could be payroll data that you're exposing to a business mm. process a workflow internally and it's a hard state to get to but i think everyone's beginning to see the benefit i think there's been a lot of studies done over the last few years um, throughout the pandemic the organizations that have been really successful and kind of ridden out the, the pandemic well have been the ones that were able to change and kind of plug in and plug out the things that they needed to do kind of can you can you turn your business digital overnight because of this thing that's happened, suddenly your your retail stores have fallen apart. Can we flip to being digital and have a, a seamless digital experience for the same customer? So there's it's a hard state to get to, but it is it is possible with the right kind of approach. And I think it starts by just trying to get system teams and teams within your organisation to be more collaborative and open mm. up interfaces, open up data in a kind of controlled and secure way, then you can build on build on and innovate and create the processes you want to. Well, to that point, we've we've said a few times about, about the flexibility that, that can be enabled by some of this. Michelle, you said, you know, there's a lot of success, but there's still a lot more to do. So, you know, what what does come next? What are the possibilities that that you've sort of had your eyes opened to during during this process, the things that you're looking forward to to building on in future? I mean, in an ideal world, we would have um, all of our production teams working out of our one production management tool. You know, we're not fully there yet, but we're we're getting close. And I think just from a data perspective, it's it's honestly the opportunity there is limitless. Um, being able to have, have access to that type of data is that's for something for me, I think is, is quite interesting and in how we can define our future. Um, and I think just enabling our teams to continuously collaborate and, you know, continuing to increase our content output. Like how can we, how can we help facilitate that with cleaner systems, more seamless integrations? Um, I think it's just one of those things that, you know, and I, I believe Daniel mentioned this earlier, but just, you know, if we are reacting to, to the way the teams are working and that does open up new work streams. So it's just, it's, it's exciting, you know, how can we continuously improve the teams? Um, and just from a personal perspective, I think one, seeing the teams collaborate is really quite satisfying, especially, you know, when they're working across market. I just, 
I just think it's so interesting. And then also just having, you know, that qualitative feedback from individuals on how it has changed their experience, um, whether it's been producing with a company or, you know, however they are working within production or post-production, that's very meaningful for us. Like we take, we take those as, as wins. Um, and so to hear more of that, and then also for teams to challenge us too, how can we continuously evolve and improve? Um, so I don't know if that fully answered your question, but I think just we are excited for, you know, new opportunities to come forward, especially when you are implementing a large scale tool. And I think as it has currently stand, we've already changed things as we work through it. So it's, 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 yeah, very, very interesting. You know, these things are daunting to most organizations that like heavy stuff, right? No one wants to kind of get into it because it knows the amount of change and politics, et cetera, that gets involved in it. Um, but, um, but actually there, there were lots of positives and, and fun stuff along the way. Right. So really trying to encourage people to, to look at this because um you know both michelle and i now you know maybe you know, maybe the first year and a half was pretty mad uh intense work um but now we're starting unlocking things and it's you know we're starting to reap benefits and um and then and you can see how the organizations change um so it's definitely um something to to be positive about yeah i'm sure that change will be ongoing and, and ever improving things well, look, thank you so much, Michelle and Daniel and Ollie. It's been fascinating to speak to you about this. Uh, there is, of course, much more on these topics in our trio of reports in the Making Integration Work series. They're available right now in the Insights section of the DPP website. Um, and uh, with that, I, we will say goodbye for now, and we will see you on the next episode of the DPP podcast. <laughs>